before I start this episode. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, young and old. Happy Mother's Day. Is it round the world or is it just the UK where we have Mother's Day? Do you know, I honestly don't know. Do you have a Mother's Day in America, Australia? Anyway, we do in the UK. So I haven't forgotten that. I actually took Trish tea in bed, although she's not my mum, she's my wife. Get some brownie points that way. Now, a story. Keep away from my sister. Okay, how about that? Keep away from my sister. Do not ask my sister out. What's all that about? I'll tell you in a minute. First of all, quite a bit of response from midweek message uh, last Wednesday when I said about social media and the, the, the hatred, the vitriol, the oh dear, dreadful things people come out with. Quite a few of you have agreed and you've said you've finished with a lot of social media. Quite a few of you have said you no longer have social media at all. I do understand those that don't want to cut themselves off from Facebook because you've got family and friends. They're all on there. If you close your account, you're kind of left out in the cold, which isn't good. I do understand that. But there is one thing about social media I must just mention. A lot of it is really nice. People are putting on pictures of wildlife. Only the other day I saw some lovely photographs of the savannas, South Africa. Absolutely beautiful photographs, wildlife, animals. Of course, then you get the bad side of that, the trophy hunters. What is the point in a chap with a huge gun shooting a giraffe or an elephant? You see photos of these trophy hunters. I think that's what they're called. They're sitting there with a huge gun on top of a dead giraffe, grinning. Look what I've done. Well, I don't think that's anything to grin about, do you? I just don't understand that. Why kill beautiful animals? Anyway, there we are. That's another downside. Well, that's not a downside of social media, is it? That's a downside of life. What's wrong with these people? They should get a life instead of keep taking uh, animals' lives. Anyway, you want to hear this story, don't you, before, <laughs> before I ramble on so much? There's no time left for the story. There was a chap I knew at work, not in my department where I was, in another department, so he wasn't a friend as such, just an acquaintance. But we knew each other to say, hi, how are you doing? And one day he said to me, you're into uh, amateur radio type stuff, aren't you? This is back in the, I think it must be the early 70s. And I said, yes, yes, I am, yes. And he said, what about military radio equipment? I said, yes, I've got some of that. Basically what it was, he had a lovely piece of military gear, this radio gear, transmitter receiver, that didn't work. He couldn't get it going. And he said to me, would well, you want it? Don't want any money for it. Just pick it up. I said, yes, wonderful. He gave me his address, popped round this evening, seven o'clock, and it's yours. Terrific. I got there at seven on the dot. I was really keen. You know, I loved this old military gear, the 1940s stuff it was then, of course. So I rang the doorbell. He opened the door, and as I was about to step inside, he sort of blocked my way. He stood in the way. Normally, people would say, come in. And the first thing he did, he looked at me and said, keep away from my sister. And I, <laughs> it took me a second or two uh, for that to sink in. I just said, yes, sir. Uh, OK, I didn't even know you had a sister. And he said, well, just don't ask her out. And I said again, OK, right, fine. Thinking, you know, he's Barbie. What's the matter with him? I didn't know he had a sister. Why would I ask her out? <laughs> anyway, eventually, he said, OK, come in. He said, wait there. I mean, normally you'd be invited in, wouldn't you? I was told to wait in the hall. 
Wait there while I go and get it. It was in the shed, apparently. So off he went through the hall, through the kitchen and out of the back door. This lovely-looking girl trotted down the stairs, grinning at me, and she said, Hello, I'm Emma. I said, Oh, hello, Emma. I'm Ray. Pleased to meet you. And she was grinning and sort of giggling. She said, Did he tell you not to ask me out? And I said, Yes, he did, actually. Told me to keep away from you if you're his sister, which I assume you are. She said, Yes, I am. And then she grinned and licked her lips and said, If my brother hadn't said anything about asking me out, would you have asked me out? I thought it was some sort of game. So I said, yes, sir, you're lovely. Of course, I would have asked you out. She said, he hasn't told me not to ask you out, has he? Uh, No, he don't think so. I'm not sure. (laughs) And of course, we're both laughing. I'm thinking, where's this going? Then she said, if I were to ask you out, would you say yes? And I said, indeed, I would. As I said before, you're lovely. I would say yes. Good, she said. How about tomorrow night, half past seven in the plough and sail? Do you know the pub? And I said, uh, yes, I know the pub, half past seven. Good, I'll see you there. And with that, she ran back upstairs and disappeared. I was standing in the hall thinking, this is a weird household. There's some strange people here, this brother and sister. They were really weird. Anyway, he came back. Ian, his name, did I tell you? No, I didn't. Ian, his name, he came back. And he said, have you seen my sister? Well, I just ignored that. I thought, I'm not going any further with this. I looked at the radio and said, oh, wow. Ian, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. I took the radio from him and I said, yeah, I'll let you know how I get on with it. If I can get it going, I'll let you know. And he opened the front door for me and that was that. Off I went. As I drove off in my car, I was quite pleased to make my escape, actually. They were both balmy. It was a lovely house. They were dressed well. They came across as nice people. It's just that they were a little bit touched from what I could gather anyway. I didn't really know Ian at work, as I said before. He was only an acquaintance. He kept himself to himself, but he was always well-dressed, always polite. And his sister looked rather nice, of course, just that they had something wrong mentally, as far as I could gather. I went along to the plough and sail the following evening. I was a little bit early, so I got myself a drink, stood at the bar, and she came in on the dot, half past seven. Hello, she said, breezing over to me. Vodka and tonic, please. Okay, vodka and tonic. She was, she was bubbly, you know, sort of bubbly and vivacious. She had lovely long hair, blonde hair. Blondes have more fun, apparently. Is that true? That's not true, is it? I saw something on the telly about that. They were discussing it. Apparently, someone's done a survey and blondes do have more fun. No, we're going off the story now, aren't we? So I bought her vodka and tonic and we started chatting, went and sat down And we had a lovely evening together. She wasn't balmy after all. What it was, her dad, their dad, her brother and her, had passed away a year previously. It was very sad. He wasn't particularly old. And he'd passed away unexpectedly, hadn't been ill. And Ian had been sort of left as the man of the house. There was their mum, who I hadn't met at that stage. Their mum and Ian and Emma. And Ian sort of took control. He helped out his mum. He looked after Emma. That's what it was all about. He was looking out for her. He didn't want her going off with boys and, you know what I mean? At that age, what was she, 18, off out with boys and nightclubbing and getting in at two in the morning. So his <laughs> his way of dealing with that, according to Emma, was she's not allowed out, not allowed to see boys, not allowed to go out with anyone or be asked out by anyone. It was It was really over the top. Emma and I got on really well that evening 
and started seeing each other regularly. I didn't go to the house. We always met in the pub in the Plough on Sale. Don't know whether it's still there, that particular pub. I'm not sure. But we always met there rather than go to her house. We'd been seeing each other for something like three weeks. Always met in the pub, then went on somewhere else, perhaps out for a meal or to a club or whatever. She never got home too late because she'd get the interrogation from her brother. Where have you been? Who have you been with? She'd just say, oh, a couple of girlfriends, just to keep him happy. If he knew that uh, she was with me, he'd probably hit the roof, <laughs> which was quite funny. I mean, I was perfectly safe. I wasn't dangerous or anything. One evening, she came into the pub and she I was at the bar. She ran up to me. He's following me. He's following me. Quick, what do we do? <laughs> I already had a drink and I wasn't sure what to do. I thought we'd better just tell him what was going on. We'd been seeing each other for three weeks. Then she said, look, go and sit down with your beer and I'll talk to him when he comes in. So in those days, there were newspapers on the bar. I grabbed a newspaper, went and sat down with my beer, started reading the paper. He came into the pub, saw Emma at the bar. She'd just bought herself a drink, went over to her. I couldn't hear what they were saying because I was too far away, but he did not look happy. And then he saw me. He looked over, saw me. I watched out of the corner of my eye. So I pretended to read the paper. And he came over and said, Ray, what are you doing here? So I said, I'll give you two guesses, Ian. I've got a beer. I'm in a pub and I've got a newspaper. <laughs> and I laughed. He said, well, what are you doing here with my sister? You know what I mean. And I said, I haven't seen your sister. What are you talking about? He said, well, she's over there. And as he turned around to point, she was joining him. And she said, oh, hello, you're the chap that picked up the radio, aren't you? I said, oh, that's right. Yes, you must be the sister I keep hearing about. Pleased to meet you. And she said, I'm Emma. Yeah, I'm Ray. And she sat down with her drink. Now, Ian, you could see, was fuming. And he said, come on, Emma, we're going home. She said, no, I'm not. I've only just bought myself a drink. And I said, Ian, look, go and get a beer. Go up to the bar, get yourself a beer and come and sit down and calm down. Just relax a little bit. Oh, all right, he said, oh, I suppose so. And off he went. He obviously wasn't happy. And Emma and I looked at each other. We're grinning. It was it was just funny. We, we found the whole thing hilarious. He eventually came back with this half pint. No one bought half pint of beer in those days. You know, the, the men, us lads, we, we bought pints of beer, not half. So I just said, what's that, Ian? And he said, shandy. Shandy? So half of it was lemonade. Because shandy, for those of you that are abroad, you may not know, shandy is, say, half lager and half lemonade or half beer and bitter and lemonade. There's a, a lager or a bitter top, which is a, a splash of lemonade in the top. Anyway, he had half a pint of lager shandy. Oh, good grief, you stoner crows. Anyway, he sat down, we're laughing. And he was saying to her, oh, hurry up, hurry up and drink that. You know, we've got to get home. And she said, no, we haven't. There's no rush at all. And he said, oh, what about mother? Your mother's left on her own. She said, oh, mother's fine. <laughs> Actually, that just reminded me, back in the 50s, 60s, I don't know, about the 40s and 30s, probably the same, women wouldn't uh, get served pints. They wouldn't serve a, a woman with a pint of beer. You had to have a half. And it was in a lady's glass, as they called them, if I remember correctly, you say you get half a pint of whatever in a lady's glass, which was like a tall, look more like a vase, I suppose. What do you say in America? A vase, is it? Vase, a vase. So they wouldn't sell a, a pint if it was for a, a girl. So that's interesting. I don't know when that stopped. I think that just faded out as girls became more uh, 
girly, I suppose. Not girly, no, that's not. More girl power. I want a pint. If you don't serve me one, I'll drag you over the bar and give you a big kiss. <laughs> so the little barman would say, OK, OK, have a pint. <laughs> Happy days indeed. So we're all sitting there. And Ian is not looking at all happy. Uh, Emma and I are winking at each other and uh, making odd facial expressions. And eventually, Ian, he finished his, his little little drink that he had. And he said, come on, Emma, we must go now. And she said, no, no, I'm going to stay here with Ray. I'm going to stay and have a chat and another drink. And he was, oh, and she said, look, Ian, I'm your sister, OK? Not your wife. I'm your sister. I'm going to stay here with Ray. I'll be back later. He looked quite glum. There's an, an old word, glum. And he said to Emma, I just don't want you coming home pregnant. And she said, oh, thanks, Ian. Thanks a lot. What do you think I'm going to do? Oh, well, you know what I mean. I don't want you coming home saying, oh, I'm pregnant. That's all I need. And she said, well, there's no chance of me being pregnant, is there, with you around as a brother? She said, how am I ever going to get pregnant? I'm still a virgin. <laughs> The poor chap, I did feel sorry for him as he stood up. Oh, well, I'll tell Mum then that you're going to be late. She said, I'm not going to be late. He, honestly, he was an old woman. He really was an old woman. I hadn't known him that well, as I said, working in different departments for the same firm, but different departments. I hadn't really known him at all, only to say hello to. But he really was an old woman. Anyway, he finished his drink and begrudgingly said goodbye and mooched off out of the pub and went home and we just burst out laughing both of us it was just that funny Emma and I carried on seeing each other for quite a few weeks and it got to the stage where I went to the house to pick her up rather than having to meet secretly in the pub down the road Ian was kind of okay with it in the end I, I met their mother she was a lovely lady and funnily enough when Ian wasn't around or one evening I'd pop round there and he said would anyone like a cup of tea and he went to the kitchen to make tea. I don't know why I find that funny, but Ian making a cup of tea, you know. And his mother said, he's an old maid. Now, that's an old expression, isn't it? I hadn't heard that for a while. He's an old maid. I remember my grandmother using that. Uh, I think these days people say, oh, so-and-so, he's an old woman. But back then, an old maid, which was interesting. I went to pick Emma up one evening and she said, oh, come in, I want to tell everyone something. I've got some news. So I went into the lounge there's mum, there's Ian. And Emma said, right, I've got some news. I've got an announcement. And everyone's looking at her, wide eyes. And she said, I'm pregnant. Silence at first, deathly silence. I, I was thinking, oh my goodness, what is going on here? Ian, I knew this would happen. Oh, that's all I need. I knew this was going to happen. And then Ian was getting so out of hand he really was taking off, going off on one. Emma said, not really, only joking. <laughs> Ian's face, honestly. I, mean, I must admit, I was horrified at first. Good grief, what's, what's happened? But uh, she was joking. And her mum said, Emma, don't say things. I come out with things like that. You'll give me a heart attack. <laughs> oh dear. Several people have asked me, why did my relationships end? because some of them seemed to be pretty good. They were pretty good. A lot of them were pretty good. Why did they end? Well, the girl, if you remember that one, she went back to France. Remember the girl that couldn't walk or had difficulty walking? She went back to France. So yeah, that relationship ended because uh, she went to live there. There was another girl I knew. We got on very well. I was very keen on her. 
she went to live in London because she was going to a, she wanted to be, what was it, not a physiotherapist, oh, I can't remember, to a teaching hospital, probably St Thomas's Teaching Hospital in London. An ethetist, I believe it was. I can't remember. I think that's what it was. And, of course, she lived and worked up in London, so that sort of fell apart. And I remember this this other girl. There weren't hundreds. This other one moved to California. I mean, can you believe that? She wanted to go to California. And um, her parents were all up for it. They all went. The whole family moved out there. I think they had relations there. I think her dad had some work there. And uh, I just one more that I remember. She wanted to see the world and she couldn't afford it, obviously. So she got a job on the, you know, the cruise ships where they have restaurants and things aboard, cabarets, stuff like that. She was, a, I believe she went to be a waitress in one of the restaurants on this. Was it the, it was a big ship. Was it the um, Canberra? Oriana, does that ring a bell? Oh, something like that. You're, I don't know whether those ships are still around, are they? So that was that. She was away for months on end at a time and uh, that relationship fell apart. Of course, jobs back in those days for girls, for young women, they, it was nothing like these days. They were trained at school to be housewives as uh, lads like me were trained to be factory workers in the 50s and 60s. So they were trained to be housewives, how to cook, how to sew, how to darn, Uh, I was going to say how to have babies. (laughs) I think they knew that. They knew how to do that. (laughs) So when they left school, they were, I don't know, sort of housewife, I suppose, orientated. You know, that's what they were programmed to do, to become. And it was only one or two girls, like the, the girl that went to the teaching hospital in London. She wanted a career. She didn't want to be a, a shop worker or something like that. I There was one girl I went out with. I'd only known her a couple of weeks. And she said, what are your thoughts on marriage? And I said, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's not something I've thought about. I'd known her two or three weeks. And she said, uh, well, what I want to do is get married and have babies. I said, yes, I suppose most most people do of your age. You know, most teenagers, early 20s, most people do, don't they? That's what, what happens in life. And she said, you know, I want to do it now. Now, what are your thoughts on that? And I didn't want to upset her by saying, well, I'm certainly not going to marry you. <laughs> so I said, yeah, yes, yeah, good idea. I, I do like the idea of marriage, having babies, building a home together. I said, my view on it is meet someone, go out with them for perhaps two or three years, get engaged, and then finally get married. And uh, I remember her face, I'll never forget it. Two or three years? I'm talking about now. I'd known her three weeks, two or three weeks, and she wanted to get married there and then. I mean, obviously I wasn't going to do that. Goodness, I can't remember how old I was, probably about 20. And I think she was about the same age, 19, 20. I certainly wasn't going to marry someone at that age that I'd only known for two or three weeks. But that was what they were kind of conditioned or programmed to do at school. Leave school, work in a shop or something like that. Some mean, well, no, with all due respect to shop workers, back then it was a menial, a menial job. And then get married, have babies and become a housewife. They weren't career-minded. Well, most of them weren't career-minded back then. Unlike today, of course, where uh, I think it's great. A lot of girls are career-minded. They want to become something, not just uh, some, some poor housewife chained to the kitchen sink. Do you remember that expression? Chained to the kitchen sink. That's going back a few, I was going to say years, a few decades, that one. There was one girl I knew 
she wasn't a girlfriend as such. We were just friends. Yes, a girlfriend. And we went, we, I don't know, we started going out together just as friends. We did become a little bit more than friends at one stage. But there was something different about her. I wasn't sure what it was at the time. Yes, we did. Actually, I was wrong. We did become proper boyfriend and girlfriend at one stage. But it, I don't know, it didn't work very well. And we kind of drifted apart. They became just friends again. And one day she said to me, I found someone. I found my soulmate. I remember her saying that. I found my soulmate. And I said, oh, OK, that, that's good. As I said, we were just friends at that stage. I said, I look forward to meeting him. And she said, her. And I didn't sort of click initially. And I said, sorry. She said, you look forward to meeting her. It's a girl. Ah, right. OK, yeah. I was pleased for her. I did meet her, her friend. And they were great. They were great together. A great couple. This was, when was this now? This was early 70s. Yeah. So that was um, the early 70s. And as far as I know, they stayed together well, forever. As far as I know, they're still together now. I don't know. I, we, I suppose we lost touch. It's funny how things change. Life goes on, doesn't it? People move away. They, they go abroad. They do different. They move to a different job. They do different things. And you end up losing touch with people. Of course, in those days, I remember the girl that went on the ships. She wrote to me from various ports. But that faded out in the end. The girl that moved to California wrote to her. We couldn't phone each other. We wrote to each other for a while. How are you doing and this sort of thing. And she was enjoying it out there. Couldn't phone each other. Cost an absolute fortune in those days. I remember someone had a relation in Australia. And it was something like three pounds a minute. That was back then, was it? Perhaps I'm wrong. But it was something horrendous. So you just barely got time to say, hello, hope you're OK. Yes, thanks. Bye. <laughs> That's the end of the phone call. Ah, oh dear. Changing the subject completely. Someone said to me the other day, do you remember Watch With Mother on the telly? I do remember Watch With Mother. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon and you sit there with your mum and this lady on the telly, I forget her name, dreadfully well-spoken, don't you know? People then, in those days, in the 50s, they spoke the Queen's, or was it the King's, the Queen's English? They really did. There was none of this, oh, what in it? <laughs> dear. I remember Watch With Mother. I also remember Listen With Mother on the radio. Now, that is that is the 50s. That's a long time ago. Listen With Mother. And then the lady would tell a story. There was uh, there were several things. Oh, I think Watch With Mother. Was that Muffin the Mule? And I mean, they were puppets, weren't they, on strings? Then there was Andy Pandy, The Wooden Tops. I think my favourite was The Wooden Tops with the biggest spotty dog you ever did see. Sorry, <laughs> carried away then. <laughs> Bill and Ben, do you remember Bill and Ben? Torchy the Battery Boy, that was later on, I think, the 60s. All these programmes were nice, nice for kids. They were quiet. They didn't shout. So, yes, um, I forget who it was. It was a friend of mine asked me a little while ago about Watch With Mother way before the internet, of course. Oh, just going back briefly to the internet. You know, I was saying how awful some of these people, well, they're trolls, aren't they? Are they called trolls? And the dreadful things they say. I remember my mum saying to me years ago when the internet first kind of got going, she said, oh, it's dreadful. The internet's dreadful. It's all full of pornography and awful things. And I said to her, no, it's not. There is that. There'll be that anywhere, won't there? Wherever you go, you're going to get a bad side of something. The internet is fantastic. And I showed her, funnily enough, 
she was round at uh, our house and I said, look, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was growing runner beans at the time and the leaves had gone black. I said, look at this, I'm going to put in here runner beans, black leaves. I typed it into the, the old PC we had then. This is going back a few years. And up came all these answers. It said what it was with photographs. This is what you need to do. This is what the trouble is. And she was amazed. Oh, oh that's really good. That's fantastic. I said, it is a, a mine of information. Forget the very, very small percentage of the, you know, the pornography and the stuff that she mentioned. Forget all that. It really is a fantastic mine of information. I mean, these days I'll say to it, because I'm still working in inches and feet and yards and miles, <laughs> I can't always do... When someone says, it's 332 millimetres, I'm thinking, right, I'm trying to picture that. Well, what's that in inches? I'll just say, uh, Alexa, what's that in inches? And she tells me. Or go online and type it in, and it'll tell you exactly what it is in inches. It really is useful. What's the capital of so-and-so? And it'll tell you. My mother now has an iPad, uh, a mobile phone with internet connection, and an Alexa device, so she's well up to date with, <laughs> with technology, which is good. Before going any further, hello, Bob. Uh, weather report for you. Again, blue sky. What day is it? I've no idea. I can look at my watch now. There we are, Friday, 25th. It even tells me the year, 2022. That's this Versa 3, not TikTok. What do you call it? Fitbit, I don't know, all this technology. So blue sky, Bob, uh, half past nine in the morning. Been up to the rubbish tip. We've got rid of a load of rubbish. We're clearing out the sheds. Got rid of a load of rubbish. Also, our dustmen are on strike. So we've taken up the household rubbish as well. That's the third Friday running we've been up to the tip. We have to book a slot these days. So that's done. We've been to the post office up early today. I like getting up early. I was going to say in the summer, but it's not summer yet. So it was, I say, yes, uh, weather forecast. It's going to be today, they reckon, um, I forget what they said now, 19 degrees, I believe it was. And of course, under our patio roof, you can add five degrees to that. So it's going to be a good 24, 25 under there, which is nice. And I shall put the shorts on again. <laughs> my shorts and frighten the neighbours. Now, what was I going to say? Uh, yes, technology uh, reminded me of the, the moonwalk. Do you remember the moonwalk back in 19... Oh, where are we? 69, was it? Apollo 11, I believe it was. Apollo 11. What do I remember of that event? The thing is, working in a radio and TV shop, as I, a repair shop, you know, it was July... I'm just, hang on, let me just look it up. I'll find out. I'm sure it was July 69, because I remember it was summer. We had at least, what, 10, 11, 12 TVs on all the time in the workshop at any one time. Loads of tellies being repaired on test, whatever, waiting for faults to show up. And I do remember, all black and white a telly, of course, back then, although colour telly was around. But I do remember for several days, there's all this stuff on the TV, loads of it. Yeah, July 24th. There, oh, no, that's when they returned. The Apollo 11 crew returned to Earth July 24, 69. So, yes, it was the 20th, wasn't it? I'm sure it was the 20th that they, they went up there. There was one chap in the workshop. We're watching all this on the TV, and you know, they kept repeating it. They kept showing things again and again, which was great. We were all heavily into it. And this one chap said, oh, it's a hoax. All that was filmed in a TV studio. Paul, his name, that's right, I just remembered Paul. 
and we were saying, Paul, what are you talking about? You know, they've, they're on the moon. They've landed on the moon. No, they haven't. No, it's all a fix. All that's been filmed in a studio. They've just done a, a backdrop and they've got sort of rocks and stuff and they're pretending it's the moon. They haven't gone to the moon at all. And, you know, there are still people today that believe that. Well, there's still a, a flat earth society, isn't there? I'm sure there is a flat earth. I mean, if that's the case, I was going to say, how, how do they explain uh, photos from you know, spacecraft? Of course, they would say, well, there are no spacecraft. It's all done in the studio. <laughs> I, I wonder, anyone listening to this, are you a member of the Flat Earth Society? Because uh, it'd be interesting to hear from you. You could tell me your thoughts or what you base your, your kind of theory or, or in your mind, I suppose, facts on. I mean, it's not a flat earth, is it? It's kind of round. <laughs> oh, dear, it's funny. So, OK, that's the weather forecast for Bob and the moon landing. There's not a lot more I can say about it. It was obviously the, the talk of the town. You know, every pub you went into there. Oh, did you see the moon landing? Everyone chatting about it. We in the workshop, being into electronics, we were more interested, I think, in the radio side of it, communications. You know, they're chatting to Houston, wasn't it? Beep. And do you remember all that? I often used to wonder what the beeps were for. I, I'll have to find out. I still don't know. And we used to sort of try and work out what frequency they were on. Could we listen in directly to the comms between the spacecraft and, and Houston and stuff like that? I don't think we ever did. But interesting stuff. So, uh, yes, I do remember the moon landing. I don't remember, as I said, was it last week? I don't remember a lot of events. Like, I remember John Lennon being shot, Kennedy, of course, all that sort of thing. But none of it really hit home. Jimi Hendrix did, as I mentioned last week because I was a great fan, and still am a great fan of, of his, would have been amazing to see what he would have gone on to do had he lived. There are a lot of conspiracy theories, of course, about the way he died. I think, in fact, Trish said to me the other day, there's some programme coming up, some documentary, how Hendrix died or something. I shall look into that and report back to you, if you're interested, that is. And I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you are. Talking of dustmen... Do you remember back in the old days, in the UK this is, the difficulty is with these podcast episodes, I know that there are listeners all around the world, America, uh, I was checking on the stats the other day, India, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, you're all over the place, literally. And when I'm talking about our dustman, or, or I don't know, what's on our TV, people must be scratching their head thinking, you know, what's he on about this dustman business? We won't remember this if you're not in the UK, but in the old days, or if you're young, you won't remember it. <laughs> I'm not young anymore. I used to be. It's funny to think, isn't it? We were in our teens once. Anyway, that's another issue. The dustmen used to have a big leather padded thing on their shoulder, say their left shoulder or whichever way they were, and they'd pick up the metal dustbin, heave it up into the air, and rest it on this huge leather pad on their shoulder, walk out to the dust cart, tip the thing in there, then bring the metal bin back. I mean, these days, it's all wheelie bins and black sacks, isn't it? But they really did have to work. Back in those days, they really did have to work for, for their money. And I think they were pretty poorly paid as well. I think it's only recently that, well, I say recently, the last, I don't know, I've no idea what dustmen earn. Any dustmen listening, how much do you get? <laughs> what are your wages? 
but they really were like the Coleman. They really had to earn their money as well. Those were they hundred weight sacks of coal. They put that up, take it off the lorry, rest it on their shoulder, or was it on their back? Shoulder, I think. And then walk up to the person's, up the drive, you know, round to the back garden and empty the sack into their coal bunker. And they might have half a dozen or maybe eight sacks of coal. It must have killed them. I dread to think what their backs and their, their limbs were like when they retired. Perhaps they never reached retirement age. No, of course they did. It must have been awful the hard work that people used to do. And there isn't this, yet before I get into trouble, that people do work hard. There are jobs that are physically hard, I know that, but nothing like there used to be. Because now we've got machinery and all the mechanical assistance that we can ask for. So people don't rely solely on their sort of physical muscles and things to get jobs done. I do remember people working physically very hard, all sorts of jobs. In the old days, I remember steamrollers that actually were steam-driven. You know, the old steamrollers. They went over to diesel or whatever after that. But the steam-driven uh, steamrollers, they had to make the fire up. They had to do the water. They had to stoke the thing up. You know, it wasn't just <laughs> like the diesel ones. You hop in your steamroller, press the button to start the engine. A lot of jobs then, well, look at farming. Good grief, farming. I mean, it was hard work, wasn't it? Now it's all technology, all high-tech, isn't it? Everything's high-tech these days. Is it better? I don't know. Is it better? I do wonder. I really do wonder. Oh, you know, I said a few weeks ago about, would you like to go back 50-odd years or forward 50-odd years? I forgot to mention, quite a lot of response from that. About 50-50. Half of you wanted to go back 50 years. The other half wanted to go forward 50 years. I don't know. I still think... I've given that a lot of thought and I still think I'd like to go back in time. I suppose because better the devil you know. I know what the 50s were like. Well, you probably don't if you're young, but you can find out. You can read about it. We don't know what's going to happen 50 years from now. Anyway, we don't want to get all morose about that. We might not even be here the way things are going, but we won't. As I say, let's not go on about that. Let's be positive. Glass always half full. Positive attitude optimistic. That's the way to be, isn't it? I do believe, was I talking some time ago about um, psychosomatic? I can't remember. I think I waffled on about something. I harped on about something psychosomatic. I do believe that, not necessarily mind over matter, but I think that a lot of your physical well-being, if you like, is down possibly to the way you think. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not, what was that joke? There was a chap, he, he went along to the, the Positive Attitude Society or something, and uh, the, the lady went along and she said, oh, sorry, Alf won't be here this week, he's not well. No, 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 he thinks he's not well. The next week she went along, I'm afraid Alf's worse, he won't be coming this week. No, 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 he thinks he's worse. The next week, you know what I'm going to say, she went along there. How's your husband? How's Alf? He's dead. <laughs> So it doesn't always work. But I do think that, um, you know, people say you are what you eat. Well, if that was the case, I'd be I'd look like a cheese and pickle sandwich. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of what you know, your, your mind, the way your your mind is, does have an effect on the body, your body. So I don't know why I'm waffling on about this. You're probably thinking, oh, no, it's going into tree hugging mode. No, I won't do that. But I do think that a positive attitude 
can be good for you, your sort of physical well-being as well. Anyway, we'll move on from that. We don't want any of that going on. The moral of the story is don't be negative. Try to be a positive person. Smile. What is it? Smile was that song. And the world smiles with you. That's the way to look at it. Right, for the youngsters out there, or the people not living in the UK, a steamroller I was talking about. I should have said road roller. You know these big rollers they roll cricket pitch grass with? Well, these are ones that did the road. I think they've still got them, uh, smaller versions. But the steam ones were huge things. Then they went over to diesel. What they would do is lay the tarmac, then the big steam or road roller would go and flatten all the tarmac. That's what it was about. And I can also remember, showing my age now, uh, the horse and cart uh, the milkman had. He'd come round on his horse and cart, delivering the milk. I went for a ride up the front. I remember that. He said, do you want to help me? And uh, I just went a few doors up the road, sitting next to him in the cart. It was great. And the old horse in front there, fantastic. And the horse had a, what do they call it, a nose bag or something, you know, full of food. So this bag, I mean, can you imagine that? Do they still do that with horses? This bag hanging off his face. Um, so all he had to do was put his head down. The bag would go onto the road. Then he could munch away at the food in the bottom of the bag. And they had blinkers, didn't they? So they couldn't see sideways, I suppose, so they didn't get spooked. Apparently, when I was seven years old, my mum told me that there was a, a milk float, as they called them. I don't think this was a horse one, a milk electric milk float was coming along the road where we lived. I know the road. And she said, for some reason, I just dashed into the road, as kids do. I don't know why I was doing that at seven years old. <laughs> Plus, I was a bit retarded. <laughs> anyway, this poor milkman, he swerved and his milk float turned over. And of course, they smashed bottles of oh, the milk. Road was flooded with milk. And I don't know what happened, whether he said anything to her. She probably grabbed me and did a runner. <laughs> But uh, I, I don't remember that. It's strange, isn't it? Certain things you don't remember. So yeah, I, I was uh, I trashed a milk float. How about that? That's a, <laughs> that's something to write home about, isn't it? If you're interested in the the fifties, that sort of era, look at some of the the old films, the old black and white ones in particular. Um, Miss Marple, you remember all that? Um, Agatha Christie's Miss Marple. That was good. Was it Joan Sims? Oh, Hick Hick oh, Hickson as well played Miss Marple. They were good because you had... What I love seeing in the old films is looking at the cars, looking at the red phone boxes, the letter boxes, the shops, because they were genuinely filmed in, in the 50s or, or even earlier. So, yes, it's great looking back at the old British films if, if you're interested in kind of you in the UK back in those times when they're making a, a modern film, say, about the, the 1920s, set in the 20s, but recorded today, if you see what I mean, filmed today, I like to look for mistakes. You see, in the 1920s, I'll show you a street with houses and there's a TV aerial on a house. They didn't have TV aerials in the 20s and uh, I just love looking for mistakes. And you see a, a cable and you think, hang on a minute, that's cable TV going to that house. <laughs> they didn't have cable TV then. It's quite good fun looking out for mistakes like that. I think there was a programme, wasn't there, about mistakes, where you'd see someone with, say, a watch. They're filming this in the 1500s, and there's someone wearing a, a modern watch <laughs> that they'd obviously missed. So, yeah, next time you see an old black and white film, have a look out for mistakes like that. I love it. It's great. It's great fun. Perhaps it's just me. Perhaps I'm weird. <laughs> Happy days.
also look out for continuity, as it's called, isn't there? There's a continuity person. For example, a chap's wearing a red tie and in the next shot it's a blue tie. <laughs> so it's obviously gone home, changed. They're filming the next day, you know. Or one good one, I remember this being shown on the telly. There's a chap with half a glass. I should say half full, shouldn't I? Not half empty. Half full of whiskey or whatever. In the next shot, it's empty. And then in the next shot, it's half full again. <laughs> and this is all within a sort of few seconds in the film itself. So it's good fun. I mean, obviously mistakes are going to be made, aren't they? Talking of those days, we've just collected a load more radios and bits and pieces. Uh, this old chap, a friend of ours, her dad's gone into a home and he was into radios and all sorts of things. And we're helping her to sell some of the bits and pieces. A lot of it has had to go to the, the tip, unfortunately. But there's a suitcase full of old cameras, a box camera, the, the type that fold out with the bellows, you know, the black bellows. We've got several, uh, how many, I about three or four, maybe five cameras. Rather interesting looking at those. And then looking at my mobile phone, which takes pictures. I'll tell you what, I'd far rather use a camera from the 1930s because my mobile phone, I don't know what it is. I'll go to take a photo of something before I've gone anywhere near the button to take the photo. It, it, it takes off itself. Da, 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 da. It takes half a million photographs. I'm looking at the thing, what are you doing? What's the matter with you? Your brain's gone, it hasn't got a brain. I looked up online, oh, do this setting, change that setting, I do all that. Go to take a photo and it's fine for a few days, you know. And then, da 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 takes half a million photos again. Oh, the old box cameras didn't do that. They were proper cameras with proper film. When I was a boy, talking about when I was a boy, I had a Brownie 127. Who remembers the Brownie 127 camera? You had to fit your roll of film in there, a very basic camera. You wind it on, take, was it eight photos? You get a roll of eight photos, I don't know, whatever the film was. Then you had to take it into the chemist or what they now call the pharmacy. Wait a few days, they develop it, then you get your photos back just to find they're all blurred. <laughs> oh dear. These days you can take, well, my phone takes half a million photos in a second. I don't know what that is. If you know... Perhaps you can help me to fix it because it really is frustrating, especially if you're trying to take a photo of something which is only there for a couple of seconds. Like, oh, quick, get a photo of that. Da -da 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 -da. Damn thing. <laughs> it really is frustrating. I must admit, I never use my... I've got a proper camera somewhere. Well, I say proper, you know, a digital thing. Don't even know where it is. Oh, there it is. I never use that now. I just don't use it for photos because my phone, my iPad... The quality of the photos, the, ah, any photographers out there now, you'll be putting your hair out and shouting and screaming and swearing. Um, no, I was going to say the quality of the photo is perfectly good enough for my, my needs. Uh, yeah, OK, if you're a professional photographer, you're going to be saying, no, you do not use your phone to take photographs. I do understand that. <laughs> what I've been trying to get is I saw, you know that, uh, what's her name, Megan... McCullen is it on um, Spring Watch and Autumn Watch, Winter Watch, the, the girl, Chris Packham's stepdaughter. She was showing on one of the programmes her mobile phone with a little clip-on lens and she got down on the ground and was taking photos of insects but magnified sort of hundreds of times, well a few times, and she's taking these really close-up photos and I can't find one of these lenses. There are fisheye lenses 
I've got one of those, all blurred round the edges, absolute waste of time. But I can't find one of these little clip-on things for really close-up shots. All this modern technology, it's good when it works, isn't it? It's like the computer, it's brilliant. When it goes wrong, it's a nightmare. My Apple, no, it's not Apple Watch, is it? What is it? Fitbit, I don't know. My Fitbit Versa 3, great, but got a problem. Oh, i tell you what I did today. <laughs> no one ever phones me on my mobile phone, so I've not been able to test this. So I said to Trisha, can you phone me? And she called my mobile, and my watch, right, is buzzing and stuff and lighting up, and I actually took the phone call on the watch. And I spoke to her and listened to, just talking to my watch, I'm taking a phone call. Brilliant. Now, with that sort of technology... <laughs> Oh, it's like in the old, it's like Star Trek films, isn't it? Or the old sci-fi films where um, a man from uncle, that's it. It was Elio Kuriakin and man from uncle and all that. They talked to their watches, wouldn't they? And now it's all come about. In those days, it was just science fiction. Now it's all come about. But what my watch won't do, it was doing it fine. For the first couple of weeks I had it, perfect. It's not recording my sleep pattern or whatever it is. It's just not recording it. It says every morning um, something about, oh, we didn't get your sleep pattern properly. You know, <laughs> thought I died <laughs> in the night. And I don't know what to do. I've been online. It says log out and log in again and do this and don't do that. I've done all these things. Every morning I wake up. You haven't been to sleep at all. It didn't work. So I don't know. I don't want it for that anyway. I mean, I know I've been to sleep, don't I? I don't need to know how many hours of light sleep. Was it deep sleep? REM, what's that rapid eye movement, isn't it? I mean, do I care if my eyes are rapidly moving? Not really. I have dreams. What was the dream I had? Oh, it was awful. I dreamt I was writing a book last night and I'd written chapter one and the publisher said to me, now you've got three months to, you know, to write the book. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I wrote chapter one, forgot all about it. Totally forgot about the book. And there's three or four days to go to the deadline and I've got to write the rest of the book, the whole book, a full-length novel. And I woke up thinking, what am I going to do? Then I realised it's only a dream. Now what? Hang on. Email. Listen to it. I mean, what's going on? News flashes, emails. <laughs> Things happen like this in the night. And I wake up, is this a dream? And where am I? It's OK, no panic. It's Amazon telling me that my black self-amalgamating tape is arriving today. <laughs> Did I need to know that? I don't know. Now, correction. I've got to make a correction. I split the infinitive earlier. I said that my eyes, I didn't care if they were if they were rapidly moving. That's wrong. It's moving rapidly. You can't say I was slowly walking. You have to say I was walking slowly. Otherwise, you're splitting the infinitive. Right, English lesson over. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. It was quite sad looking through this old boy's sheds and various outbuildings, you know, where we're helping our friend clear out her dad's stuff. We came across photographs that she didn't know existed. And she was looking through these photos of the early days of the family. Quite sad, isn't it? I mean, you know, he hasn't passed away. He's in a home. What is he, 92, I think she said. He's doing well, but he's had to go into a home. I found a diary which I said to her, look, you, know, you want to keep this. It was a diary of his going back goodness knows how many decades and a couple of things I found of interest to me I found a Morse key you know the old Morse code key I found one of those what we're doing is we're, we're buying anything I want I buy from her I give her the money 
Uh, the rest of it we sell on eBay or wherever. If anyone wants it, we sell. And then we sort out the cash with her. So I've got a couple of nice Morse code keys. I think one of them that I got the other day is, is Canadian. I've looked it up. It's Canadian, 1930s. It's rather nice. Not really worth a great deal of money, sort of 30, 40 pounds. But uh, I do use Morse code, as you know, on the radio. So I send and receive Morse code. And I've got several keys now. And I'm just trying to determine which is the one I prefer. I think I prefer them all. I also got a beautiful old electric bell in a Bakelite housing, but the gong's missing, the bell bit, you know, the ding. <laughs> Reminds me of that joke. No, yeah, what's, no, I can't say that. I think it was a Monty Python joke. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on from dirty jokes. That wasn't dirty, it's just not appropriate. I like things that are inappropriate. <laughs> I'll have to make a, an inappropriate podcast episode one day. There's an idea. So I've got this electric bell. I also got, uh, did I tell you, I've got the servant's bell box or the, the butler's bell box flag board. Did I tell you that? I can't remember. I'm going senile in my old age. You're in the study, the lady of the house is in the study and she pressed the button. Then down downstairs, as it was in the, the kitchen, the servant's part, you'd look up on the board and a little flag would be swinging and it would say, study. So then the butler or one of the servants or whoever would go up to the study and say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Reminds me of, what was it, Parker, wasn't it? Yes, my lady. They were good days. We had proper films, proper programmes on telly back then. Stingray, Thunderbirds. Lady Penelope was in Thunderbirds, wasn't she? A lot of the telly. I know it was International Rescue was good. I know they were puppets on strings and now you know when you tell youngsters or you show them a, a clip of something like that well it's a puppet on a string oh you can't watch that because of all the cgi stuff these days all computerized i do you know some of these are they cartoons or, or what are they they look like cartoons but they're so real the, the characters faces their body movements it's all so real it looks like a, a real film that they've cartoonized if you know what i mean but they're not, are they? They are, is it CGI? Computer graphics or something. Whereas in the old days, they were puppets on strings. But the kids love them. I love them. Even in the TV workshop when I was, what, 16, 18, I was watching Stingray and International Rescue in the workshop. We all did. It was great fun. And then the original Star Trek, I like that. Captain, was it James T. Kirk and Spock and Bones... I didn't like the later ones. I, I suppose, I don't know, when you start watching something, they go and change it, don't they? And it doesn't always work. Not for me, anyway. We watched uh, May Gray last night with Rowan Atkinson. Isn't it brilliant? He did Mr Bean, which I thought was totally stupid. It was, wasn't it? He did Blackadder, which wasn't... I, I could never get into that. Mr Bean was just balmy. But Rowan Atkinson, as... May Gray was absolutely brilliant. I remember the original May Gray series back in, well, again, what was that, 60s? Do you remember The Third Man, the Harry Lyme theme? I won't sing it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know. All you old people out there, you'll be sitting there in your armchairs, puffing away on your pipes. Oh, I remember that. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> puffing on your pipes. People don't smoke anymore, do they? Of course, Maigret had a pipe, didn't he? Always smoking his pipe. What I don't understand is why it was set in France. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But everyone spoke English. They even had sort of northern accents or sort of Welsh accents. 
everyone there had French names, but they're all English, British or whatever. Are you allowed to say English now or is that going to offend someone? <laughs> UK-ish. Yeah, they were all UK-ish. I don't know, I get confused. Who was it the other day trying to, instead of the UK, some government thing where people were saying, we want to go back to GB for Great Britain and not be UK anymore. And people are up in arms, you, you can't say you're Great Britain. You're the United Kingdom, so shut up. <laughs> Hang on, news flash. Hang on a minute. Oh, goodness me, it's Kim Jong-un, is it? North Korea is uh, doing something balmy again. I don't know. I do have times, you know, all this beeping I had earlier. I do have times when I get rid of all devices. If I'm sitting in the garden, no iPad. I even take my watch off in case that beeps at me. No mobile phone. We just sit out there, not even have the radio on, and we listen to the birds singing. It's lovely. Just listen to the birds, perhaps sipping a, a glass of uh, lemon or lime or something. You know, no alcohol, just basic nature, back to nature, watching our bunny rabbits hopping about on their run on the lawn. They, they mow the grass, I think I've told you that before. It's lovely. No technology, no devices at all. Get rid of the whole lot. They do say at night, get rid of your mobile phone, your iPad, get everything out of the bedroom. You know, just get it away. Because apparently the majority of people wake up in the morning. First thing they used to do in the 60s, wake up in the morning, have a cigarette. I nearly said fag, get arrested for that. <laughs> fag, give us a fag, oh, splash the ash. Do you remember that? Splash the ash. They used to have a cigarette. Now, grab the, the iPad or the iPhone. Quick, social media. I'm awake. I'm going to take a picture of me awake. I'm having my breakfast. Look, there's a photo of my breakfast. See, this is what I'm having for my breakfast. I really hate photos of people's meals. Why do that? I saw a joke. Was it somewhere online? In the Someone was saying in the old days, I can't remember what it was exactly, but in the old days, you'd have to take yeah, get your brownie 127, take a photo of your dinner, go around to the chemist, about a week later, go and collect the film. Have, have copies of the photo made of your dinner. Then go post it to all your friends. <laughs> why would you do that? Exactly, you wouldn't, would you? So why would you take pictures of your meal now and show people? I hate it. I really do. It's one of my little things. It's a, a pet hate, isn't it? That's what I'm looking for. A pet hate. Photographs of people's meals. I do not want to see what you're having for dinner. I just don't understand that. If you'd like to email me with a photo of your meal, <laughs> raiserants at protonmail.com. Or one word, raiserants, protonmail.com. I don't want to see your dinner. I don't want to see it. Send me photos, if you like, of wildlife. Or oh, we had a jay in the garden the other day. I feel a bit guilty about that. We've got a, a squirrel feeding box. The squirrel lifts the lid to get the monkey nuts out of the box. And a hole was being worn in the wood on the front. So there was a, a, a basically a hole where the jay could stick his head through and grab a monkey nut, which was great. The trouble is the magpies were doing it. The pigeons were doing it. A lot of the larger birds. So I had to block up the hole. The jay turned up on his own, bless him, is normally with his wife. And he's looking round like, well, what's going on here? What is go where's the hole? I can't get a nut. He looked around the box. Totally confused. I felt guilty. I think he's been back a couple of times to have a look. Anyway, there we are. I can't, there's no point in making the hole again because I was filling up the box twice a day and now I fill it up, I don't know, well, once every other day. Just the squirrels using it now. Okay, I think we're coming up to the hour. 
So I'm going to make a cup of coffee, put my shorts on and sit in the garden and enjoy this. Uh, an Indian summer is a late summer, isn't it? I wonder what an early summer is. Perhaps it's an Australian summer. <laughs> What's an early summer? Just an early summer. OK, thanks for listening as always. I hope you enjoy listening to the podcasts as much as I enjoy making them. It really is great fun. I look forward to it. I'll say to Trish, wake up in the morning. I'm going to do the podcast today. She just says, go on then. <laughs> She's always saying that. I'm just going to nip out to the garden. Go on then. I'm just going down to the shed. Go on then. <laughs> Happy days. Take care. Look after yourselves. Keep well. Stay positive. Smile and the world will smile with you. Bye-bye for now.